unregulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. Coming up in uh, just a matter of moments, Chuck Michelle is going to be with us, head of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, uh, Second Amendment attorney in his own right as well. We're going to be talking about the aftermath of the Bruin decision uh, and the Second Amendment reckoning that is coming in the state of California. Although the anti-gun politicians like Gavin Newsom are going to do everything they can to continue to try to block Californians from exercising their constitutional right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. But uh, again... We've got folks on the case. Uh, so without any further ado, let's actually get to this conversation with Chuck Michelle. We we touched not only on the cases that are coming as a result of the Bruin decision, but what impact the Bruin decision is going to have on the cases that are already underway, challenging uh, some of the various gun control laws in the state of California, including... Uh, let's see, the background checks on ammunition sales, the ban on purchasing ammunition out of state, uh, the ban on so-called assault weapons, 10-plus uh, round magazines, and more, all of which I think uh, face a very uncertain future, thanks to what the Supreme Court said on Thursday. Let's find out what Chuck Michelle thinks. Take a look and a listen. Chuck, thanks so much for coming on the program today. It is good talking to you. Uh, congratulations uh, on a fantastic decision uh, in uh, Bruin last week. I- I'm, I'm very curious. You know, the court has uh, at least one California case pending in conference right now, Duncan versus Bonna, did not take action today on any of these Second Amendment cases. Um, but it, it sure seems like the court's going to have to either kick those cases back down to the lower court or, or grant cert. Uh, in the not too distant future, right? They can't just keep holding these cases in conference. I, I, I thought they were going to do it today. I would expect them to do it. You know, as they get towards the end of the session here, they can kind of do things a little more uh, ad hoc. They they might do it later today or tomorrow morning. Uh, they're going to. I I fully expect that what they're going to do on the Duncan case, which is the California ten plus round magazine case challenge, or and some of the others, including the New Jersey similar challenge and several others. I expect they're going to do what's called a GVR. They're going to grant review, then summarily vacate the under the, the lower court decision and remand it back down. So grant, vacate, and remand back down to the lower court for the lower court to reconsider their ruling in light of the Bruin decision. And interestingly enough, We've already got an order from the Rody case, which was not up in the Supreme Court for us. But we have, we have, we have in the Ninth Circuit right now. We have the Rody case, which challenges the ammunition background check and the internet ammo sales ban. We have the Rupp case, which challenges the black rifle ban in California. We have the Flanagan case, which challenges LA County's good cause requirement, which is pretty much on point, knocked out now. Uh, and then in the Supreme Court, we have the Duncan case challenging the magazines. So we, we, we're queued up. These are CRPA cases. These are queued up to knock out some of the big laws, and they're all going to have to be briefed now in light of, of Bruin. And the Rody case, that panel already asked for supplemental briefing to talk about the effect of the, Ro- of the Bruin decision on, on that case. So I expect we're going to see some pretty quick turnarounds here, some pretty quick uh, results. 
I know that the Ninth Circuit, even though there are now more conservative justices on there than there's ever been before, there's still enough judges on there to try and find some way to uphold those uh, those restrictions. So they're going to, I'm sure that right now, uh, you know, Saul Colnell is, is, is researching mousetrap laws from the time of the founding, trying to figure out if he can analogize that somehow to a modern day gun control law, because that's what they have to do. They have to find some historical analog under Bruin now to a current law in order to justify its constitutionality. And the government has to come up with that. So I'm sure they're scrambling to, to try and justify uh, uh, the laws that we're challenging. Yeah. And, and, and future laws that we're going to challenge because it's now a target rich environment. Well, yeah. Funding, we will be filing lawsuit after lawsuit. And, and we're going to get to uh, maybe some of those California priorities here in just a second. But uh, just, just a point of clarification before we talk about what the Bruin decision means. When, when these cases get remanded back to the lower court, for example, Duncan versus Bonna, if I recall correctly, the trial judge ruled in favor of the plaintiffs in that case. A three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, and then an en banc review said, uh, time out, no, 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 this law is fine. This, this magazine ban is fine with the Second Amendment. So would right. this go all the way back down to the trial court, or does this go back down? No, it, it goes to the en banc panel first. Typically, the en banc panel would send it down to the three ju- back down to the three-judge panel, and then they will decide if there is factual development that that enough factual development needs to be done that they could remand it. So they could remand it, remand it, remand it. Uh, It's kind of up to each court along the way if they want to hold it or or send it back to the lower court beneath them. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we're starting from, uh, you know, point A again uh, in all of these cases. And then obviously, as you say, the cases that are still pending before the Ninth Circuit that have not gotten up to the Supreme Court that's not a hard reset, right? That that's now just like okay, what what does the Bruin decision mean for these cases going forward? Right. Uh, it, it's usually see the the, the 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 sticky part here is going to be whether there the, the courts determine that there is factual development that needs to be done, and they may say that the historical analog to to these things is something that they really want done in the trial court rather than the court of appeals. I don't think it needs to be. I mean, this is kind of stuff they can take judicial notice of, um, you know, whether a law existed historically that's kind of somehow similar to the current day law. That's, by the way, the test. We've kind of jumped yeah. the, 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 to, the, to the end game here. The, 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 the significance of the Bruin decision is that it reset the standard of review. There isn't really a standard of review anymore because there's no standards. It used to be there were tiered standards. Mm-hmm. Now it's there's there is no rational basis, intermediate scrutiny, strict scrutiny. There's just historical analogs. And that's hardcore originalism. And we love it. Uh, Now, there's, as you and I have discussed in the past, you know, there used to be junk science, junk policy, junk justifications for useless, pointless, ill-conceived policy that a politician could brag about at a press conference. But now there's going to be junk history. And I'm serious about, you know, the, the Duke Law Center is already, you know, they've got, they, they saw this coming and they've already got articles up there about what the gun control laws existed in the past that could be used as a justification for laws in, in, in the present. Yeah. But and that's we- the beauty of it. That's the beauty of what Bruin did. It, beyond the 
changing the the game for getting a license to carry a firearm in public. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, we've had a bunch of developments on that since the case came down, in California since the case came down. Yeah, and it's, let's talk about those for a second. I mean, again, there's so much to talk about here, but uh, but I do want to talk about what the Bruin decision means for those Californians, particularly those who live in an area where the May issue aspect of the state law really has been in effect. We saw uh, Rob Bonner, the attorney general, come out uh, shortly after the Bruin decision with this letter to law enforcement and to uh, government attorneys basically saying, OK, so the good cause requirement uh, is gone. But uh, good moral character, that that's still a, a viable provision under California law. And he started talking about, you know, ideological tests like uh, if, if we think that you're full of hate, uh, if we think that you're not good with your money. Uh, if we think you're not trustworthy, right, uh, then all of those things could be used to deny someone their their right to bear arms. So I guess I guess my next question, Chuck, is uh, is the California Rifle and Pistol Association going to be challenging the good moral character clause in the in the in the concealed carry laws? We've been working on it all weekend. Uh, first of all, you got to understand what the attorney general's uh, distribution is bulletin to the law enforcement in this state was that was advice from the attorney general. That was not a mandate from the attorney general. Now the attorney general gave good advice in that, in that bulletin when he said you should not require good cause anymore, just eliminate it from your license processing, uh, uh, uh system, just no good cause. So you don't even have to say self-defense. It's just, there's no good cause requirement. That's good advice. Uh, the bad advice is that he, he took the Riverside County, and there are friends out in Riverside. He took the Riverside County's description from their policies uh, that, that define good moral character broadly. We're working with the Riverside Sheriff now because that wasn't important before. That, I mean, you know, that wasn't really stopping anyone because they weren't they weren't so literal about it as some jurisdictions are going to want to be if they can use it as an excuse to deny someone a permit. But so now we're working with Riverside and we're sending, we CRPA the day after Bruin came down sent letters to all the jurisdictions in the state saying, here's this opinion, you got to change your good cause policy to accept self-defense. Uh, and uh, uh, then Bonta, the, the attorney general, said you don't need good cause at all. So now we're sending another letter out to all of these issuing agencies saying, follow Bonta's advice, eliminate good cause entirely, update your good cause statement, which the state law requires uh, counties to post, that says no longer required. And don't pay any attention to what Bonta said about a good moral character, because Justice Thomas talked about it has to be objective criteria. It can't just be some pie in the sky. We think the guy's, you know, uh, 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 funky somehow mm. uh, or or and, uh, you know, it's really got to be much more than that. And the Riverside County uh, standard is being we're in discussions with them now. So don't go adopting that. OK, so, but this is the game they're going to play. It's going to be expand good moral character. And it really should just be like moral turpitude, like something that would get your your doctor's license or your lawyer's license or your nurse's license pulled. That's the kind of moral character that they were talking about. Not, you know, what's your political preference or how much money do you have in the bank? That's really, I mean, it's kind of disgusting. If you think about how that Riverside policy can be interpreted. I oh yeah. 
but I don't think Riverside meant it to be interpreted that way. I don't think they abused it in practice, uh, but now it's being subjected to, I think, misapplication. So we'll try and straighten it out, but we're gonna be dealing with fire drills like this every day because the, the, the governor and the attorney general and all the rig politicians in rig Sacramento are losing their minds. The, the, the smell of the smoke from their ears is wafting over California and it's a glorious, glorious day. And I am just breathing it in. You and I have been at this since Heller and McDonald came down. We've been trying to get back to this, to get to this position, to get to this spot. And it has taken a lot of work from a lot of lawyers across the country, a lot of folks and influencers like yourself, uh, getting people informed, making people what's you know what's uh, uh, making people take action, and it has finally paid off. But they're not going to take it lying down. They're going to do everything they can to resist, just like they did to Heller. So it's mm. we're, we're not done. Right. I yeah. remember when David, I remember David Hardy after Heller came down said, this is not the end. This is just the end of the beginning. And he was right. And I think what we may have just seen is the end of the middle. And now we're sort of getting into what might be the end. But remember, fleshing out and really getting into the details of First Amendment jurisprudence took decades. So well, we just had a First think- Amendment case come down today, uh, you know, dealing with uh, the right to prayer. Uh, you know, on a public school uh, football field. So you, you're right. I mean, this is th- this is not going to be the last word, uh, particularly, again, when you've got so many politicians who continue to refuse to recognize a constitutionally protected civil right. Um, we are going to have to keep fighting. But, uh, you know, as you say, that, that decision by Clarence Thomas, I think it's really important, not only when he laid out the, the test that should be used, specifically when he talked about the right to carry he basically said, listen, if if the average person can't get a license to carry, and if the average person can't carry in most places that are open to the public, their rights are being violated. Like that's what the, the right to bear arms protects. And so when that's not happening, then those rights are being violated. So it seems to me like even if if, 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 if California, let, let's say Los Angeles County or Riverside County or San Francisco County wants to try to use a strict interpretation of this good moral character clause to deny 80, 90 percent of those who are applying, that's still going to be you know, on its face a violation of the Second Amendment because yes. any policy that deprives the average law-abiding citizen of being able to carry, again, in most places, according to my reading of Bruin, that's a violation of their Second Amendment rights. I, uh, that's the argument we're going to make. But who knows how the Ninth Circuit courts or the district court judges, for that matter, that are inclined to not want to uphold or, or strike down a gun control law will, will try and twist. I mean, I was just shocked at how they twisted the language of Heller to justify this uh, biased standard of review that enabled them to uphold all manner of, of unconstitutional gun control laws. Yeah. And so we're going to see games with moral character. We're going to see games with sensitive places. I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're working in Sacramento right now. They're probably going to try and come up with a de- definition of sensitive place. that's like 500 yards from a church, a school or a stop sign, you know, so that your license is effectively not useless in most, most places, you know, because they'll be deemed sensitive. So there will be litigation over that In fact, The, the CRPA, 
and my law firm are working together. We're already getting ready to challenge a couple of sensitive places, uh, place laws in California. We're, we're gearing up to fight the moral character challenge. CRPA is calling it the Second Amendment Reckoning Campaign. And that's what this is. California gun owners have had pointless, uh, punishing, uh, uh, bureaucratic, red tape excessive gun control laws basically shoved down our throats. They have not saved one life, but they've made a hell of a lot of uh, good people into accidental criminals because these laws are now so Byzantine and complicated. I mean, you know, my book is now 600 pages long. Okay, That's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, who, who, who has time to know all those things other than the, 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 the self-torturing lawyers in my office and, and I who have to stay up <laughs> to speed on this stuff? You know, uh, they're, they're more complicated than environmental and tax laws, but environmental and folks, corporations who deal with tax laws and environmental laws, they have corporate compliance counsel on retainer that they call all the time. It's a cost to doing business. Gun owners don't have a gun lawyer in their closet, you know, ready to give them advice on every obscure gray area question that comes in California gun laws. And so yep. that's the legacy of the all the laws that that Newsom and and his ilk have passed, it's not we're not any safer. These laws don't work. Criminals can always get a gun. It's the tool of their trade, and they get them whether they steal them or buy them on the black market or make them. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. They can get them and they can kill people and with them. And now it's going to be nice to see those bad guys think twice about. Uh, confronting someone because they're never just like in the other 43 states that have shall issue the bad guys never know who might shoot back that's right that's, that's called a deterrent so the you know the violent crime goes down in those states property crime goes up they'll steal a car because the car is not going to be carrying a, a, a firearm all right. So last question, uh, and you've kind of alluded to this over the course of our, our conversation here some of the the, the pending challenges that are coming but what what are your priorities right now? I mean, again, California's got over a hundred gun control laws on the books. Obviously, you know it, it does over cost 800. money. Eight hundred, more like a thousand. Okay, so it obviously costs money to to bring a suit against each and every one of these laws. So you you do have to triage. You have to prioritize. Yes. Uh, what is your first priority right now when you're looking at the Second Amendment that's reckoning that's coming? Sensitive places. Well, uh, on CCW uh, on public carry, it's sensitive places. But we have to litigate all three of the cases that we have in the Ninth Circuit now, plus Duncan. So we're mm -hmm. working on black rifle ban, a uh, uh, 10-plus round mag ban, ammo background checks, and then the CCW case, which is kind of taking care of itself. I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. They may say it's the, the county of L.A. will probably try to say it's moot. Uh, we have one in Hawaii, too, but Young is ahead of us in Hawaii, so... Yeah, uh, but yeah. I don't know. So I don't know what Hawaii is going to do. New Jersey saw the light, apparently, and, and abandoned their special requirement. But mm -hmm. those are the ones that are active. Now, what's next? It's got to be sensitive places because that's how they're going to try and gut the public carry license. And then now the new one, I, I suspect, unless we can convince them, convince the issuing authorities that they cannot require uh, that heightened level of good moral character, uh, it's going to be that fight. And you know what? I think what's going to happen there is Certain jurisdictions are going to try and push the envelope on good moral character to make it as restrictive as possible. And others, remember, two thirds of the counties in this state are already issuing. Right. 
they're not without you know they, they say self-defense is good cause so they're not going to try and play games with good moral character but the city of la will the city of san francisco will and some of the other hard nut jurisdictions that do not want to issue will um so we'll move the fight to them uh you know in the meantime things like like we just got word that an la times reporter has done a public records act request to la county San Francisco, I think LA City, a bunch of jurisdictions to get the list of all the CCW holders there. You know, we're going to play that game again, as you've, we've, you know, we've been through it in New York, we've been through it in California before. You know, it's going to be the shaming. It's going to be the, the shaming of these folks. Luckily, yeah. they don't, they don't, they don't get addresses or or that kind of personal information. They just get the name, uh, and so. But we're now we're having to fight those cities make sure they don't give out too much yeah so it's just it's a reckoning and we're fighting but really if folks want to help uh get, get the wheel the, we will take on everything that that can be taken on as long as we have the funding to do it and so you know give generously you know? now's the time folks uh, all right. Well, what what is the what is the website if folks do want to contribute kicking a couple of bucks to uh to, to fight these legal fights out in california crpa.org is the easiest way to do that uh to specifically go california remember i we also have the second amendment law center going now which is 2alc.org which is a 501c3 because this is a federal holding it applies across the country and some of these states like i would rather sue in a you know we joke about asking the texas legislature to pass pass some bad gun control laws (laughs) so that we could go down and sue in a in a court jurisdiction that's friendly would quickly strike them down and set a national legal precedent in the process that we could then use in California. Yeah. But there are some cities or states that have laws that could be challenged that would help us out in California. So we're looking all across the country for, for those kinds of precedents. All right. Listen, I could talk with you for hours about this. Uh, so we got to have you back again very soon, but I appreciate you taking a couple minutes today and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch Chuck, cause we've got a lot more to talk about here in the days and weeks ahead. Things will be developing. Get, let, let's talk again after we see what happens with Duncan and with Rody, the supplemental briefing that's been ordered there. That's the ammo background check. And with the Black Rifle and with the uh, Flanagan case challenging LA County CCW. All that stuff is in play. All right. Chuck Michelle, head of the California Rifle and Pistol Association with us here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Thanks as always, sir. Thank you, Cam. God bless. I appreciate Chuck joining us on the program, and I am looking forward to having him back again very, very soon because there is so much more to talk about. Right now, though, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, case out of uh, North Carolina, Mooresville, North Carolina, where an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old arrested in a drive-by shooting. That is the uh, 19-year-old in question there on your screen. Uh, Jalen Westbrook arrested and charged with felony discharging a weapon into an occupied dwelling as well as felony possession of a firearm by a convicted felon at age 19, which raises the question, why was Jalen Westbrook not behind bars for his felony conviction. According to authorities, Westbrook placed in the Iredell County Detention Center with no bond due to the severity of his charges. He's already on probation for other felony convictions. The 18-year-old arrested, Anazi Quillier, 
apparently uh, no previous criminal history, at least uh, uh, not a felony conviction. Uh, he's been arrested and charged with felony discharging a weapon into an occupied dwelling. Uh, thankfully, uh, the victim in this case was not uh, critically injured. Uh, there were several people that were called to report that gunshots had struck their homes and vehicles. Um, one person in an apartment complex in Mooresville, North Carolina, had been shot in the back. Uh, they were taken to a hospital and thankfully are expected to recover. Uh, the victim had received a gunshot wound, apparently, uh, and then traveled about a mile away to the apartment complex, uh, but uh, was originally shot on uh, the same street where the other shots were reported to have been fired. Again, 18 and 19-year-olds in custody. The 19-year-old already with a felony conviction. Maybe we should just try to enforce the uh, you know existing laws on the books rather than again try to continue to criminalize people's constitutional rights. Uh, we also have this self-defense story from Arizona, where a uh, homeowner fatally shot two intruders. This was Saturday morning, uh, according to uh, Fox News. They say police arrived before 8 a.m. in response to several 911 calls. When they got there, they found the uh, two alleged intruders on the ground in front of the home. Authorities say that uh, witnesses told the officers that the shooter was inside the home next to where the men were lying. Uh, they were able to successfully carry the men to await paramedics, and they were able to communicate with the three occupants of the home, and they were detained peacefully. Um, the uh, people detaining connection to the shooting gave consistent stories, according to authorities, of self-defense during the investigation. Uh, and those individuals were released. Charges will be submitted for review in consultation with the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. But right now, this does appear to be a case of self-defense. We will keep our eyes on this story and bring any more details as they become available. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from Florida, Zephyr Hills, Florida, where a family is safe and sound after an off-duty police officer from Plant City, Florida, went inside a burning home to rescue the children that were trapped inside. This was uh, Wednesday night. Pasco County Fire Rescue 911 operators got a call about a house that was on fire with children inside. Officer Michael, Pet uh, let me make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, Michael Petruinsky of the Plant City Police Department lives in the area. He was walking outside when he saw the smoke, and then he heard screams from the kid's mom running to the home with another child. Uh, he knew that she had two other kids who were unaccounted for. The uh, Plant City Police Department says he immediately sprang into action. He and his fiance able to find a garden hose and use that to kind of knock down the flames as they actually went into the home. Once inside, they were immediately met with thick smoke, so they had to get down on their hands and knees to avoid it. They're crawling low with one hand, officer spraying water on a couch, which was reported to be fully engulfed in flames. He then yelled out to the children inside, if you can hear me, come towards my voice. But nobody came to him. So both kids, by the way, uh, are autistic. They are nonverbal. He then grabbed a shirt, drenched it with that water from the garden hose so he could breathe, and then he started searching the home for the kids. He finally found one and was able to take him outside to his mom. Uh, the mom then told him, I think I might know where my uh, you know other child is. So Officer uh, Petruski then went back inside the home, uh, tried to anyway. At this point, the flames were growing uh, uh, larger. Pasco County Fire Rescue arrived on scene, uh, and they went back in to find the last missing child. They were able to find him in a bathroom shower with water running. And uh, a lot of smoke surrounding him. He was pulled from the home, thankfully conscious and breathing. Both kids cleared of any medical issues. Uh, and uh, Officer Petrusinski, excuse me, uh, who was recently sworn into the police department earlier this month, treated for smoke inhalation, but uh, is expected to recover. 
The agency said in its release that Officer Pichuszynski is a Polish immigrant who served seven and a half years in the U.S. Navy, four years as a search and rescue swimmer. Pasco County Fire Rescue is proud of the brave actions of Officer Pichuszynski, firefighters from Engine 16, and all others on the scene that day who gave it all to save two children. Again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. I, I, you know, it doesn't get much more heroic than uh, heading into a home on fire to rescue kids inside. So, Officer Michael Petrzynski of the Plant City Police Department, we thank you for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you in this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I would encourage you to uh, check back with us tomorrow, frankly, every day, as we bring you some of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And this is a critically important time. Look, we got a great decision last week with Bruin. But as Chuck Michelle said, the anti-gun politicians, the gun control lobby, they're going to do everything they can to try to make that decision mean as little as possible. And so we are in for a fight. Well, the fight continues to protect, defend, and secure our right to keep and bear arms in self-defense. And I'm glad that you're a part of this fight. And you're with us here on uh, this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Be sure to check out the website as well, bearingarms.com. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber. We're going to give you exclusive content. You won't get anywhere else is our way of saying thanks because your support does matter and does make a difference. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.